What is your reaction to the court's decision continuing integration? I don't know one thing going in this school. Well, this good. It's a white school. The mothers of downtown New Orleans screaming at a Negro child as she entered the William Franz Elementary School, first in the city to be integrated. On November 14, 1960, the eyes of the nation were focused on the city of New Orleans. As for the first time in William Franz Elementary School history, under the force of the U.S. government, a black child would become a student at the school. As Ruby Bridges and her mother walked toward the school, they were met with an angry mob of white protesters who stood in opposition of the landmark ruling of Brown versus Board of Education in 1954, calling for the desegregation of schools. This event would go down in American history as one of the pinnacles of civil rights advancement. Yet years earlier, on the other side of the country, in the small town of Milpitas, California, a community was being born not with protests and fighting, but with a deep sense of counterculture community. People who lived under the motto, if we can work together, we can live together, formed the very first planned racially integrated community in the United States. The community of Sunny Hills continues to stand as an example of what can happen when good people take action and do the right thing, even when all of society says otherwise. This week, Donnie Island, creator and producer of the documentary 54, joins us to talk about this revolutionary community on the Perpetual Good Podcast. It's the Perpetual Good Podcast with your host, Kenneth Hopkins. Join us as we discover the good things that are happening all around us and what we can do to bring even more good to our communities. Life is like a box of assorted chocolates. But what swirls in my head? Donuts from boxes. Both go with the concept. Never know what you'll get. Welcome back to the Perpetual Good Podcast. This is your host, Kenneth Hopkins. Now, with all the episodes that I've done, I've been able to learn a lot about people, about some of the things that they are doing. This week and next week are a little bit special for me because not only am I finding out a little bit more about what my guest, who happens to be one of my good friends, is doing, but in these two episodes, I'm going to find out a lot about just the history of my hometown. And it's something when you find out a little bit more about your background, your history, your connections, it, it does something for you. It, it, it gives you a connection that, um, that actually propels you forward in ways that you, you didn't even think uh, possible. And so it's a little bit exciting. And for those of you who are not from Milpitas, California, it's okay because the lessons that come from this really apply to everyone and everywhere. This week, I have the pleasure of talking to Donnie Island. Donnie is the producer, executive producer, creator of a documentary called 54. 
It's about the foundation of the city of Milpitas, but in particular about the community of Sunny Hills. And you're going to find some very unique things about what happened in the creation of Sunny Hills during a time when the country was completely divided racially. Um, Sunny Hills was very counterculture. And it continues to be that way. If you talk to anybody from Sunny Hills, you're going to find that there is a very, very strong sense of community that continues to this day. And it influences everybody that uh, that it touches. So without further ado, here is part one of my conversation with Donnie Island, producer and executive producer of the documentary 54 on the, the creation of Sunny Hills. Brother Kenny. How you doing, Donnie? I am doing good. Yourself, brother? I'm doing well. It's great yeah. to great to see you. Uh, it's been a while. It has been a while, man. Uh, I know this pandemic has kind of had us all separated for a minute, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're on the on the other side of it. Hopefully, uh, at this point, yeah, yeah, we're getting there. I think yeah. the hard part about it is uh, relearning how to be in community with people True. because it was so easy to say, "Oh no, I, I can't, I can't visit, I can't talk, I can't do anything because you know pandemic." So <laughs> we we learned that for two years. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's still a hesitancy out there, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and and maybe rightfully so, uh, but um, I know that it's things are starting to open up, uh, and yep. it's good because I I just had a uh, family get together last week for the first time, and, and it was great, you know. Okay. So uh, that's uh, that's what we want to get back to, you. Yeah. Well, that's actually kind of the the whole subject of of what we're talking about today. Uh, so thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, thanks for uh, having the time to do this. I know that you've got a lot of things going on. Um, so uh, before we get started, uh, just give us uh, two things. One, just a quick introduction um, of who you are and what you're doing. And uh, most importantly for the podcast, we always start out with what's good. So I wanna know what's good with you. What's good? Uh, life is good. Family is good. And uh, as always, God is good. Um, but uh, I'm just, uh, my name is Donnie Island, and uh, I'm a long-term resident of Melpitas, uh, spending the first 12 years of my life in Sunny Hills. Uh, and um, Sunny Hills was a pretty unique place uh, to grow up in. I know we're going to be talking about uh, it being the first planned racially integrated community in the world. So I was very fortunate and blessed to grow up in that environment, and I want to share some of those experiences uh, with you today. So, uh, you know, with that, uh, I'm, I'm ready, Kenny, for uh, for what you have. Yeah, that sounds great. For those of you listening, Donnie and I, uh, we we went to school together. Milpitas is Milpitas is a very um, I, I want to say it's a unique community. Both yeah. Donnie and I grew up in Milpitas. Mm-hmm. I was talking with my mom last night about. Uh, just why she actually moved to Milpitas. Uh, we were living in Santa Clara and she she had an opportunity. This was back in, you know, 60s, 70s uh, in, in that time frame. 
and she had an opportunity to uh, to buy a house. Mm-hmm. So uh, she and my little sister started, you know, combing the area probably while uh, my brothers and I were at school and mm-hmm. ended up in Milpitas. And and just some of the things make Milp- Milpitas unique. And we're going to talk about Milpitas in general, but, uh, but right. we're going to bring it down to uh, to Sunny Hills. But Milpitas is very small. You could drive through it and miss it if you weren't if you weren't careful. It's literally three by five miles. So back in the day, it was small enough and uh, to some people insignificant enough that San Jose, which was a suburb in its own right, wanted to try to annex it, make it a part of San Jose. Yes, but there's something about the the spirit of the people in Milpitas, and, and this is going to go right into the the whole subject of Sunny Hills. Mm-hmm. Milpitas fought back. Yeah, we did, and and they said, "No, we are not going to be a part of your city. We're going to be our own town. We're going to build what we want, how we want." And they fought the city of San Jose and won. So Milpitas became its own uh, its own city and developed in a very unique way. So, so we have some, some experiences that we're going to talk about, but Donnie, you mentioned Milpitas being the first planned racially integrated community in the United States. Now that, just hearing that, that sounds totally counterculture to anything that anybody is doing. So, Give me a little bit of background. Give me some history on on how sure. this happened. Absolutely. So um, back in the, um, I think it was the early 50s, um, there was a Ford plant up in Richmond. Uh, and that plant employed a pretty large number of African-American uh, workers. They decided that they wanted to build a new production facility, and they were looking around for a place to put it. And so uh, some people came down here, scouted out some land in Melpitas that they thought would work. Melpitas at the time really had no African-Americans living in it. And so um, they knew that this was gonna be a problem. And so um, the whole purpose of of the creation of Sunny Hills uh, was to find a place for uh, where these African-American workers could live. And so they, they uh, formed a committee headed up by Ben Gross, and he his job was to come down here, study the laws, figure out what it's going to take to make this happen. And um, Melpitas actually was giving uh, them an incentive to move down here. Uh, they were going to give them, I think, a break on taxes or, or something to that effect. And so there was, you know, it was it was a it was mutually beneficial, I guess you can say. But at the time, you know, it was um, segregated housing. And so the system was set up that no, that no, that's that's not going to happen. But Ben was very, uh, very creative, very crafty. And he came down, he studied the laws. He came to local meetings with, with Melpitas, Santa Clara, and even up in um, state capitol. And so he he found out what it would take. Now, having the knowledge is one thing, but, you know, implementing it and, and getting that job done was, um, was a whole nother, whole nother ball of wax. And so he was able to, after uh, some years, uh, able to secure financing for a plot of land in North Melpitas called, you know, it's called Sunny Hills. 
And so, but there was, there was um, a whole lot that went on to make that happen. And so that's where, um, that's where the, the, the uniqueness of the story begins. And because it wasn't just somebody rolled out the red carpet and let this happen, you know, there was many people who were opposed to it. But there was something that, that really very, very unique. Um, when they did move down here, uh, when they did open up the plant, uh, Sunny Hills wasn't quite established yet. They were still working on it. And so a lot of the workers were driving down from Richmond during the day and driving back home. You know, uh, but Ben, he, he kept at it. He kept at it. And there was a saying going around um, the Ford plant at the time. They knew that they were working on this development. <clears throat> and the saying was, hey, if we can work together, we can live together. And uh, they really stuck by that slogan. And I think it was just perseverance and a desire uh, for change, uh, which propelled them to, to be successful in their endeavors. And so um, that's really kind of the, um, the foundation of the story. But I found that, you know, in, in, in doing 54 and talking um, with different people, there was just so many different offshoots of stories, personal stories that happened. You know, uh, Sunny Hills was really uh, uh, a very diverse community. I mean, there's people coming in from the deep South, the Midwest, um, uh, Mexico, Guam, uh, Indonesia, you, we had people, we had a plethora of people and, and there was just a sense of community and family and acceptance there, you know? And so, um, that, and, and that was specifically a result of, you know, the efforts of these men and women who said that we are going to create this place. We don't care what, uh, the laws are, it's not right. And we're going to change it. And so that's what, that's what's unique about it. And that's why I feel felt propelled to tell the story because a lot of people didn't know the story. You know, a lot of people just said, wow, there's some, something unique about no peace. You guys just all seem to get along. And I says, well, let me tell you how that came to be, you know? And so uh, every chance I get an opportunity to share that with somebody, they're just, they're just, they're just blown away. So. And I was, I was talking to my mom about just some of the research that, that I had done. And obviously the, the level that I had done is nowhere near what you did in the documentary. Mm -hmm. um, but it, as, as you said, people have been saying this for, for years. I've heard it from a number of different people. I've heard it from classmates that, mm -hmm. you know, there's, 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 there's something about the spirit of Milpitas and this this sense of community and and just an integrated community. Let me yeah. let me tell you how this conversation, the one that we're having right now, how this started. Um, okay. So I was uh, I was in the Bay. It was Father's Day, and I was with um, with my daughter at uh, at her church. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so she's doing like she normally does. She's introducing me around and, you know, just uh, she's <laughs> she is uh, she is Miss Social Butterfly, um, you know, connecting everybody. And yes. so she wants to connect me with her friends, which is sure. fine. Mm -hmm. So I'm meeting all of these people. And then um, she introduces me to this one person and her father happens to be standing there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 
we just we just kind of start talking and just you know just standard chit chat mm-hmm. and somewhere in the conversation somebody said the word milpitas hmm. and then imani said oh yeah you probably know all the same people because because and she she turned to uh, her friend's father and said mm-hmm. you know my dad grew up in milpitas and i looked at him and i'm like i'm looking at him i'm thinking you're about the same age as me. I'm thinking right. just, you know, about this. I'm like, we probably went to school together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he had introduced himself to me and I, I didn't, the, the name didn't recognize him. Like, okay, so when did you graduate? He says, 83. I'm like, I'm 81. <clears throat> like we were, we right were there. in school together. Yeah. And so we start talking and then he said, Sunny Hills. Ah. He's, and then he started going in. He's like, we're, you know, we've got everybody there. It's integrated community. It's, you know, it is, it is the place to be. And he's just, he just went on. Yeah. I, I never asked him about, about Sunny Hills in particular. Mm-hmm. He just, there's, there's something about when you have that connection, it's, it's almost like you have to tell it. Absolutely. So I, I want to, I want to switch gears just a little bit because you were talking about just the the impetus of this and how how Sunny Hills got started. Mm -hmm. And let's let's kind of talk a little bit about timelines, because um, your documentary, this is about Sunny Hills, is called 54. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was that was really the start of it. That's when the Ford plant uh, moved. Is that correct? Ford plant, I think, moved down in 55. Uh, but they knew that there needed to be some planning that went went into it. And so I think things were already kind of in the works, like uh, for trying to create Sunny Hills. So 54 really kind of captures the year that the city was incorporated and really when they were really the early stages of the development of Sunny Hills. Yeah. OK, mm-hmm. so in that time frame. 54, 55, 56, mm-hmm. when all of this was was in the foundation and when Ben Gross was trying to, he was working with people and and people in the plant were, were actually saying, Hey, we can actually do this. We can, we can, we can live together. Mm -hmm. This was five or six years before. Well, let's back this up a little bit. So historic, Supreme Court ruling, Brown versus Board of Education, mm-hmm. that says we're not going to have segregated schools anymore. Right. Even though that <laughs> that didn't stop for, right. for so many years. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Fast forward up to September of 1960. Mm-hmm. And all over the news, you have the broadcasting of the National Guards escorting Ruby Bridges yes. to William France Elementary School. This was 1960. After, yeah. This after, was yeah. this was years yes. after people in Sunny Hills said we can live together, right. work together, have community together. Absolutely. And and as you said, there were some people who were opposed to it, but there were right. other people who said, no, nah, forget that. Just like right. kind of like San Jose saying we can do this, and and people in Milpitas saying mm, we're going to do a different thing. Absolutely. 
So tell me how that impacts you when you're thinking about the, the community that you have being one groundbreaking and just out of the national spotlight, but yeah. doing something that is, is really changing the landscape of history. Absolutely. You know, uh, first off, it, it's a great sense of pride that I have uh, to come out of uh, an environment like that. And, and I always say that what happened in Melpitas and in Sunny Hills is not just Melpitas history, it's American history. Uh, it's not known yet, uh, but, um, you know, the more we talk about it, uh, it will be. And, and I think it needs to be because um, what they did uh, was nothing short of miraculous, to be honest with you. Um, they fought. It was not an easy battle. Uh, and, you know, you're going up against the system that's that's crooked and uh, just just very um, racist, a lot of dis discrimination, uh, but they did not lose focus of the goal. And it was a united effort, you know, Blacks, white, Hispanics, everybody who said this, and that's why it's so special. I've always said, Kenny, that um, God put his hand on Sunny Hills and wanted to use this as uh, an example to the nation of what living in unity is all about. I truly believe that. Uh, and so uh, there is uh, a great sense of pride to come out of uh, an environment like that. And not only that, the what it did for me personally is it, it just empowered me as a person. Um, I always say that what was being imparted to me by my parents in my four walls of my house, that I'm special, that I can do anything that I want to, that I'm, that, uh, I'm not in fear to anybody, it was being supported by my neighbors, by my teachers, by my coaches, by my community. And that is, uh, it's very empowering. And so we, we take that and we come out of that really believing that, hey, we can do anything that we put our minds to. And, and what great examples we have with these men and women who helped establish Sunny Hills, uh, the legacy that they left for us. And so um, I'm, I'm very passionate about um, about Sunny Hills and Melpitas uh, because of because of what they did, and um, and I believe that the story needs to be told. And I'm and I'm telling you, what's going on in Melpitas right now with with the unity and the love is is really a direct result of what these men and women did. And so that's the uniqueness. That's the that's what's special about it. I'll tell you a funny story. About five years ago, um, I was hanging out with a, a friend of mine, Derek Dixon. And uh, he said he was at the store uh, and some guy walked in and they struck up a conversation. And Derek said to him, um, guy asked him, where are you from? He said, well, Derek says, I'm from El Peterson, from a place called Sunny Hills. And the guy stopped, he goes, Sunny Hills? He said, let me tell you something about Sunny Hills. He says, you go up in there um, with bad intentions. He says, and he says, they come together and they will run you up out of there. And, and basically, I guess there was, probably some of his friends that came down and and tried to, you know, we're very connected and very much family. And I'm not uh, endorsing fighting, but we're, we come together when there's a problem. And it doesn't matter if you're white or black or Mexican or Asian. And so that's what he was saying. He says, man, you guys are really uh, connected down there. He says, we are. He says, we're brothers and sisters and we love each other and we embrace everybody. We embrace, we embrace uh, 
we embrace people who have love in their heart, but, you know, uh, we don't, we don't really stand for foolishness, you know, and, and we really, uh, hold true to our convictions about, um, about, um, love for, for our fellow man. And so I, I think that that's very unique. Uh, and I, I think that in this town, uh, it's something that I've really never seen in, in any other city to this degree. And, uh, I can, I can really echo that because I think I'm going to bring it uh, a little bit more closer to uh, to current, although <laughs> it's still a, a ways ago. Mm-hmm. When uh, when we were in high school, I was for my first three years, I was in the other school. I was in Samuel Air, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we had we had kind of the, you know, the standard rivalry and, you know, right. You know, the, the, the two different sides, everybody right. knew that, uh, that Jacqueline was the dividing line between right. Rapidius, two different sides of the, of the house. And, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, there was, there was a little bit of, of conversation tension and everything, but there wasn't mm-hmm. a, a whole lot of, of, of really talk of, of overt racism or anything like that. Right. Mm-hmm. until they announced that they were going to close Samuel Air. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden the dam broke. Yes. And yeah. it became uh it became a, a just a powder keg, a firestorm. An issue. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was a big issue. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that happened with that is I saw people from both sides coming together and saying, yeah. look, just kind of in the same way. Yes. We we can have the best of the best. Yes. We just have to decide to do it. Yes. But one of the things that Milpitas has done, and it goes to just some of the spirit of people like, like Ben Gross. Yeah. Is we don't hide from the problems. We face right. it head on. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. We acknowledge that there's an issue, but we right. also know that there could be better. And so, and so we had, it, it wasn't an easy road. It wasn't, a, you know, let's, let's sit down, have a quick meeting about it and talk about it. No, we had yeah. many conversations yeah. um, with high level people, you know, yeah. principals and, and leaders of the city to yeah. say, we have to deal with this. Right. But the, the outcome of that was when we actually joined together, we had a much stronger school. Yeah, we had a we had a a school that just dominated from sports to art to yeah. education yeah. and all of those things that were brought together and all of the things that people were afraid of. All you know, you know, there's going to be fighting. There's going to be that. Right. There was none of that. Absolutely. And so, um. And so one of the things that uh, I just want to, I kind of want to bring up, um, mm-hmm. and this was, um, this was in, in one of the articles that I, uh, that I saw, mm-hmm. uh, just Ben's background, mm-hmm. what, one of the things that he had to overcome was the death of his father. Right. And how that happened was he was working for a white person. There mm-hmm. was going to be an agreement about how, uh, how the work was going to happen going forward. Right. And the person that he, that he was working for not only broke the agreement, but killed him. Yeah. He really um, mm-hmm. 
and and this was something that that Ben had to had to grow up with. Yeah. And he also had had to overcome. So yeah. so part of my question for you is um did you have any knowledge of what it what what it took in him to overcome that and how that helped to influence the the need for a yeah. an integrated community where things like that wouldn't be the the outcome. Right. I don't, I don't have a lot of insight. I did talk when we were um, in production with 54, Ben Gross uh, Jr., of course, who narrated the story, he touched on that. And, you know, basically he said that, you know, uh, we, he could even got, got bitter or, or better as a result of that. And, uh, and he, he decided to take the latter, you know. And, um, and early on, I know there's mention of him going to a, um, a theater with his white friend and they wouldn't let him in, sit on the first floor. They had to go up to uh, the, the, the balcony and he saw some injustice with that and he decided to do something about it. And I'm sure that that was a direct, a direct result of what happened to his father early in his life. And he dedicated his life to it. And so um, it's just a, a great story of, of overcoming uh, a tragic situation and turn it into something good. Uh, and really something that really benefited all of us. And I do want to touch on, uh, you mentioned about um, when Aaron Melpitas came together. You know, it was the year I was graduating. And uh, I remember there was an announcement that they were going to close the school. Um, and yeah, everybody's up in arms. There was even a walkout, I think. There was a protest one day. Uh, and um, and we all, I think, marched somewhere at City Hall and were protesting. But what happened... I think that that's the greatest thing that's, that's happened to Melpitas uh, since its early inception, to be honest with you, because you brought two cultures together, like you said, and built something beautiful out of it. Um, you know, we're not going to be able to get along if we never spend time with one another. And even though it was kind of a forced thing, uh, and I know it took uh, it took um, it took a little time to work out some bugs. There's a little feeling out and. And, and, I, and one of the things I heard, a lot of people were really concerned about moving over or going to school over in the Sun Hills neighborhood because there was uh, it was kind of a I think people viewed it as kind of a bad neighborhood, you know, and, and I'll be the first to tell you, we, we did have some bad characters over here. But overall, it was a great neighborhood. We had parents that raised us old school, you know, taught us respect, you know. And and so um, when I kind of heard that, I was like, really, I says, man, it, I said, this is a great neighborhood to grow up in, but it was an opportunity uh, to really bridge some, some gaps. And I know um, uh, in 81, when you guys, I think you graduated in 81, mm -hmm. uh, I know my brother, Bobby, who is just very social, you know, Bobby gets along with everybody. Uh, I remember him um, just talking about it. He's like, Don, and I go, how's it going? He's like, Don, it's cool. You know, I, I love meeting new people. And, and I, he became friends with, um, Andrea Gutierrez and Laura Yovanovitch. And from that, I just saw like, just friendships grow from that. And it was just, it was beautiful. And I, and I be honest with you, I, I wish it had happened two years earlier, you know, uh, and mine's is more um, selfish because for sports reasons, you know, I, I wish it would have happened, but there was a purpose for it, you know, and, and, and right now, if you look at the school and, and what's, happened as a result it, it really was one of the best things that ever happened to Mel Pitas. so um and, and like you said we 
we looked at it, we acknowledged it, and we did something about it. We put forth a plan and we said, we're gonna make this work and they worked it and, and, it, and it came out, it's beautiful. This has been part one of my conversation with Donnie Island, producer of the documentary 54 on building lasting community, the story of Sunny Hills. Make sure you're following Perpetual Good to get part two and all of the other episodes of People Doing Good. The theme music for Perpetual Good is Wild and Windy by Bled John with additional instrumental music, Soaring Above the Waves by Rolick Music. And I leave you with this quote by Kurt Vonnegut. The most daring thing is to create stable communities in which the terrible disease of loneliness can be cured. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.